Okay, Katrina. So when I was in school many, many years ago, <laughs> snow days were kind of a great time of the year because it meant sleeping in, maybe playing outside when I was younger, hot chocolate, all the fun stuff with snow days. How about you? Yeah, same for me. I mean, as I got older, they kind of sucked a little bit more because I realized how badly they could handle snow in Howard County where I grew up. But pretty fun, right? For the most part, yeah, I would say so. Um, but I hear that there might be some changes coming to Frederick County Public Schools that might make those snow days a little less fun. Yes. Um, they're considering making snow days another school day. The Frederick County Board of Education has a challenge in front of them, setting the calendar for the next school year. This means figuring out when to start school, when there should be breaks or days off, and possibly if snow days should be traditional snow days, with kids sleeping in, playing in the snow, and not thinking about school. Education reporter Katrina Pereira joins me in the studio to discuss the school schedule. All right, so before we go into this snow day problem, let's talk a little bit about the calendar, because I understand that they're Everyone in Maryland right now is kind of deciding their school calendar. So what's going to happen in Frederick? Right. So um, an executive order that was passed by Governor Hogan a few years ago that mandated that every single school district in Maryland start after Labor Day, um, that was recently disbanded. So now school districts have the authority to decide when they want to start school, and that can be before Labor Day if it works for them. So FCPS's calendar committee has been meeting uh, since the beginning of the school year and last week at the board meeting they presented their first draft calendar options to the board um, and both of their recommendations have school starting before Labor Day. All right so draft just means that they haven't made final decisions. Correct. All right and what was some of their reasoning for before Labor Day? So the board really directed the committee to come up with the best educational calendar possible Um, and that means essentially having kids in school for a longer (laughs) amount of time. Um, So a pre-labor, well, reason number one is that Labor Day falls very late next year. Um, And if they were to stick to their, you know, traditional model of having school start after Labor Day, then school would not start until September 8th. And that's pretty late. Um, And then, you know, you have to Think about AP testing at the end of the year and state testing and how much time are kids going to have to prep for those sort of things if you start so late into September. So they kind of shifted back and said, okay, let's look at a pre-Labor Day start. And that really allows them to, one, have more full weeks of instruction. So I think one of the recommendations had like 31 full weeks of instruction. Um, And that also allows them to you know, work in a little bit more breaks for kids. Like one recommendation has a spring break and a fall break, which means that kids would get the entirety of Thanksgiving week off, um, which is something I never saw when I was in school. Um, Yeah, I think that should be implemented here too. (laughs) At the FNP. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? Um, So I think from what the calendar committee is looking at, a pre-Labor Day start just allows for a lot more flexibility and a lot more stuff. All right. And what about Faraday, or at least the Great Frederick Fair? Because I know that's a pretty big deal for a mm-hmm. lot of students involved at the 4-H. Right. So with one recommendation, yes, Faraday school is closed. The other recommendation, which has the fall break, 
there is no fair day. Um, and that was brought up during the discussion. And Kevin Cuppet, who's kind of uh, leading the calendar committee who works for FCPS, said, you know, it was kind of this balancing act of do we give fair day or do we give kids that week off in the fall? Um, you know, so. So that could be pretty controversial. <laughs> yes. Um I'm waiting to see what happens with that one. And speaking of controversial, let's get back to those snow days mm -hmm. that might now be educational days. Yeah. So um, it was also brought up during the discussion, this idea of virtual snow days. So essentially, if there was a snow day, uh, kids would have an assignment to complete that day, which would maybe not replace, maybe not take away the need to add on a day at the end of the year, but it would maybe substitute for like half a day you know like if we had like a really crazy winter and we were we exceeded our five day you know limit um a virtual snow day could essentially keep frederick county public schools from having to add on days at the end of the year um so this would mean that you know teachers would assign students uh, something to be done that day it wouldn't take up the whole day it would maybe take up a few hours and um, the big sticking point was that that assignment would not be due the next day it would maybe be due five to ten days later so that you know kids could complete it on time and, and it wouldn't be sort of this like rushed stressed kind of thing um, so theoretically if, even if you got this assignment and you had a snow day, you still could take the entire snow day off if you wanted to. You just might be making it up <laughs> right, later. Right. Um, and a big thing was internet connectivity because equity is obviously um, a huge thing for FCPS. And they wanted the board wants to make sure, from what I gathered, the board wants to make sure that everybody – every single FCPS student is, you know, being treated equitably in this situation. So some kids might not have access to internet on a snow day. So what do you do in that situation? Um, well, then they brought up the idea of a blizzard bag where, you know, it would sort of be this like package of materials that kids could take home in anticipation of a snow day so that if there was a snow day, they would have something to do. And I think an, another part of the reason of why an assignment wouldn't be due maybe for a few days is that so if kids needed to, you know, maybe get access to the school library, they could and they would have time to do that. And I was just thinking, like, I cover Brunswick and one of the complaints that they're having a lot right now is that they have a lot of power surges and their mm -hmm. power is going out, but that's without any you know, major weather events. So if there's a snowstorm, I mean, there's a good chance that someone's power might go out, which exactly. would be a problem. Right. So that is definitely something that um, it seems like the board and, and the committee have to take into consideration. And, um, you know, this was just a discussion. And I, I think that they're still going to think about it a lot before implementing any sort of blizzard bag mm. or s virtual snow day or anything. But to give them credit, they are, you know, really thinking about this and just kind of trying to visualize all the and predict all the needs of a student exactly they are definitely looking through all the options um somebody even brought up the idea of like i think washington county may have looked at this a few years ago but essentially giving students who needed this hockey puck looking device which would allow them to have wireless internet um from home if they needed it on a snow day so who knows? Maybe kids will be coming home with hockey pucks. <laughs> we'll see. Which might be even better for them because once they finish the assignment, then they might have some extra internet. Right. Use it for Netflix. <laughs> Who knows? So just so I understand, if I get an assignment, is this 
one teacher gets to assign me something or if I have six blocks, each teacher is assigning me something for each class. That was a question I had as well that was not answered um, by the discussion. Um, And I have not had a chance to uh, ask anybody at FCPS about that. But especially for high schoolers, I think, you know, that's going to be an issue that they have to address um, because, you know, they're taking six, seven classes. So who is that lucky teacher that gets to assign them something? Well, and I imagine it's kind of, it, it's a lot easier to assign something maybe for English class or social studies or whatever the t- high school students are learning these days because it's something that you can do long term versus right. maybe a math class, which it's kind of like do these assignments, learn this thing. It's not necessarily do this for two weeks and lose right. all these resources. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's an... It's an innovative idea, but there are a lot of complexities as we're seeing as we keep thinking of things like, oh, maybe what about this? Or, oh, what about that? Um, well, and it's interesting because when you say it's something that's going to go for a couple weeks or maybe you get five, ten days, it doesn't mm-hmm. really sound like a virtual experience. It sounds like more like a long-term project. <laughs> right. I think the virtual snow day term came from the fact that kids would be logging into some sort of platform. Um, but again, you know, that has an issue if kids can't access the internet yeah it's interesting it'll be interesting to follow this because i'm sure the students are not happy that they're gonna have to maybe work on their snow day right i mean i don't know how i would have felt about this if i was still in high school or you know even as an elementary schooler because i think um board member liz barrett brought up the idea that you know fifth and sixth graders should still be allowed to go outside and play with their friends you know a snow day is is a fun thing and has traditionally been a fun thing. So do we want to take that away, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see it from both sides. I think during, when I grew up in summer, we had summer packets that you kind of worked on Mm -hmm. throughout the summer, which, you know, wasn't always fun because you're playing and you're doing things and you really didn't want to have to do those math problems that they assigned to be prepared for next year. But it wasn't horrible. I mean, I'm still remembering it, so maybe it had some detrimental effect on me, but wasn't terrible so maybe it'd be similar with this right and from what I was as I was listening to the discussion I was also thinking a lot about the teachers um you know a snow day is great for a student and it's you know a fun time but for a teacher that's one less day of instruction that they have and now they have to I'm assuming you know kind of crunch everything together in a less in a shorter amount of time so you know, I can see it from the teacher's perspective. Maybe this would be a good thing for them. You know, maybe this would help with sort of lessening the load a little bit of a snow day. And if it's more of a virtual assignment that you have a couple days with, that also, I guess, would help the teachers if they have their own kids at home, mm-hmm. that they don't have to, like, actually log in and, like, be, like right. you know, do Skyping or anything with a student. Because I imagine when they have their kids at home, that's already enough for them to deal with. Sure. Um, so I can see that there might be some challenges and some positives for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of complex factors are going into this and a lot of things to consider. So just to give parents or even students, because everyone has a voice in this, um, for the, the board, what time frame are they looking at to make their decision? Um, so the calendar committee is going to go back and make a few changes um, that the board wanted to see and come back with a couple new options. Um probably in December in terms now that's just for the calendar for next year Um, in terms of the virtual snow days there was really no timeline set forth on you know when something like this could be 
implemented and seen. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot more discussion and a lot of logistics that have to be worked out before you know, we, we see a virtual stone day. Possible trial schools or trial periods. I would assume so, yes. And for kids and their parents, um, do they have any way of adding input or writing to the board to say, no, we really hate this? Um, you know, there's always public comment um, at the board meetings on Wednesday nights. And, you know, I know that there's a write-in option and there's, I know that board members are always taking phone calls and taking emails from parents. So um, there are definitely ways to reach out and voice concern if if you feel the need. All right. Anything else you think we need to know about this? No, I think that's it. All right. So this is not the first time that a virtual classroom on a snow day has come up. So to give us a little bit of background, we have city editor Alan Etzler, who also is a FCPS alumni, so he can maybe give us some of that kind of context as well. But sure. Alan, when did you first write about this? Uh, yeah, so back when I was the education reporter in 2017, um, Rhode Island and I think a few other states moved to, uh, especially in the northern part of the country, moved to a uh, calendar that included using virtual school on snow days because there's so much snow up there um, that you know you have to have the school days in at some point, right? Um, and so I uh, called around and started talking to people um, locally to hear what their thoughts were on such a calendar just because it's it's something that's pretty interesting. We... Uh, uh, put tech or implement technology so much into school nowadays anyway. Um, there's an emphasis on telecommuting. So to me, there was a, a uh, angle of you're building people for what their jobs could be like, seeing how productive they are when telecommuting, things like that. Um, students need to learn that stuff too. Um, so I called around and, and got uh, some teachers' opinions, some principals' opinions, some uh, Board of Education members' opinions, and uh, tried to figure out what, what the issues would be. And there's a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of issues with this. Um, but also there's there's some benefits to it. And, and one of those benefits we're finding out right now uh, with calendar challenges is flexibility. It gives you the opportunity to uh, build a calendar that doesn't hinder you by all the other days that people want off. So when you wrote about it, did people seem kind of on board about it? No. Uh, I mean, not that they weren't off board either. They didn't shun the idea. They weren't all in on it either. Um, everybody I think I talked to realized it's sort of um, the best of It's kind of like making the best of a bad situation. Uh, you won't beat person-to-person instruction, face-to-face interaction with people. Uh, you can't You can't top what you can learn in that uh, environment um, but there's an ability to to learn something that day or to to make progress uh, on an assignment rather than um, just having students take a couple of days off uh, it turns a three-day week into a five-day week as opposed to uh, missing a couple of days and, and kind of losing momentum on what you guys were learning that week and for the teachers what were some of the pros and cons that they had told you about uh, the, the the biggest con was it's a lack of face-to-face interaction. You don't get to interact with your uh, students each day. The students don't get to interact with you or each other each day. Uh, it's a very, um, at least as it's been implemented so far, it's a very kind of siloed uh, way of instructing. Is you're, you're very individualized, and a lot of techno or a lot of uh, instruction today, they want small group instruction. So that's one of the big challenges. Um, one of the big pros is, is kind of what I said, is, is you don't lose momentum um, through the learning process. You're able to make progress uh, and continue um, continue trying to uh, master the the subjects that you guys are learning about. Um, 
that's that's really the biggest one and it it does give you flexibility through the rest of the year to have days off on days like fair day or to have your week-long spring break whereas the last couple of years it's only been like a three-day long spring break type of thing um, so you're getting a lot of those uh, chunk uh, days cut out of your calendar um, those are getting put back in now if you can do that kind of virtual instruction all right so Katrina and I talked about this a little bit but neither of us went to Frederick County Public School Systems yeah we did go to school but you know different counties um so as someone who did go, you know, and not to age you a little bit, but it's probably in, what, 11 years since uh, you were in high school? Oh, man, you aged me too much. <laughs> it was my 10th year anniversary this year. All right. So do you think this is something that, you know, as a student who went through FCPS that could have happened that you could have seen being done for I, you? I can tell you 17-year-old Alan Etzler is probably not very good at virtual school. Um, 28-year-old me would love it <laughs> because I, I enjoy telecommuting. Um, 17 year old me didn't have the discipline. And I think that's one of the things you're going to have to get, get around as, as teachers. And frankly, the school system is going to have to get around it too, with some teachers who they use those snow days as days off too. Um, so now that's no longer a day off for teachers. It's no longer a day off for students. And how do you police it if they're not going to like, you know, how do you guarantee that little Johnny didn't take the day off? You, that's a difficult thing. Um, so I can say I, I probably wouldn't have been very good at it. I think it's, um, I actually do think it's a good thing now as much as we're pushing technology in the world and as much as we're using kind of flexible office environments and, and things like telecommuting, I think it's important for kids to learn that discipline. Now. I actually think it's a, it's a really admirable trait if I'm running a company and I get a student or, or if I get a young adult moving into the professional world who understands how to be productive while not being in the office and I'm not constantly having to be on top of that person. I think that's a really admirable skill right now. Um, I don't think the school system necessarily sees it as that way or doesn't see it as that way. That may not enter their thought process. Uh, their their thoughts may be more on production and, and uh, achievement and things like that. Um, I worry about whether or not achievement would be affected uh, because I just can't see those days working from home being uh, replacing a, real, like a full school day. But and it's a little bit of the marshmallow test. If you work now, you get... You don't have to make it up later on in the year, but yeah, you but, kind of want that day off. <laughs> right, yeah. And the other well, the other kind of thing that I, I would stink for seniors is uh in your senior year you don't have to make up yeah. that day regardless. So um you get a you get whatever whatever schedule's given to you, that's what you get, your end date's your end date. Um so they wouldn't get that anymore. They would still have to go to school all those days. Um which kinda stinks, but uh yeah, it would be kind of the yeah, I know. Do it now, and you don't have to make it up later. Fifteen to seventeen-year-old me prayed for snow days someday, so I would yeah. not be happy if I found out I still had to go to school. Yeah, and you know, it's, the other thing is what there are challenges, you know, along the what the assignments would be. Not all of them; they obviously can't be internet uh, assignments, or, or at least to start, because not every student has internet access. Not every student even has a computer, so um, that's going to be a real challenge for them to overcome. What those assignments would be. Uh, I can't imagine I would do paper assignments, but maybe if there was a video lecture that you watched, that would be something I w- might have been more amenable to back then, but I'm not sure. But maybe a little easier on the superintendent who has to make, or whoever has to make that call whether to go to school or not. They wouldn't have to necessarily Absolutely. worry about that bad call where it only rained or the even worse call where they sent students right. to school and they slipped and fell. Absolutely. That is something, especially in a county this big uh, and this di- diverse with topography, um, 
you're never going to make everybody happy. People are always going to be upset one way or the other with whether or not you called school off. Um, this gives you the opportunity to to be a little bit more uh, erring on the side of caution, which I think would be good. But um, I've uh, talked with the superintendent before, um, and there's an argument to be made that sometimes being in school is the best thing for some of those kids. It's the best opportunity for uh, loving interaction with with their teachers. It's the best opportunity for for warmth. Sometimes you know, not every not every kid in Hot FCPS. Meals. Yeah, right. Exactly. So um, a lot of families rely on the school to provide some of those things. And if you're erring on the side of caution, not sending them to school, probably good for safety. But there's there's some well being aspects that have to be taken in consideration there too. All right. So lots of lots for the school system to yeah. think about. Yeah, it's going to be really uh, interesting, I think, to continue watching this. And uh, I wonder if we're going to see how much the state um, gets involved on something like this because the state has obviously shown that they're more than willing to get involved on the calendar and put restrictions on what the local uh, boards can do uh, and can't do. And so I'll be interested to see what they if, if that happens moving forward. All right. Well, as always, um, you can read what Katrina has already written at fredericknewspost.com. But now you can also continue to follow this uh, saga to see what happens at fredericknewspost.com. Katrina is a very good reporter and is constantly following these. All right, Alan, anything else you think we should know about coming up this week? Yeah, actually, if um, you, uh, depending on what time this recording comes out or what time you're listening to it, if you look in Tuesday's paper, you will see a story about uh, the Frederick Keys. Um, the New York Times released a, a, a list of 42 minor league baseball teams that are in danger of being dissolved by Major League Baseball. Um, and so that would uh, kind of get rid of the relationship between those teams and the, their Major League affiliates. The Frederick Keys were on that list. Um, and the Frederick Keys are a Baltimore Orioles affiliate. Uh, a low ball, single A, short season or something. It's one of The crux of the problem is there's too many minor league teams and the MLB is trying to get rid of some of them. And so the... The keys are in danger. Um, I can say as of now, the story hasn't been published, but uh, the mayor of the city of Frederick doesn't seem to be too concerned, uh, but it is a city asset, the field. It was um, uh, built uh, under then-mayor Ron Young, uh, who's now a state senator. Um, But the mayor now, uh, Mayor Michael O'Connor, doesn't seem to be too concerned about the possibility of them leaving. He thinks it could just be a negotiation tactic, which it very well might be. Um, But that's definitely something that's going to be interesting to watch. We do know the Frederick Keys uh, organization is is planning to fight this. Um, So that's going to be something big for us to watch. It's a big economic driver for us. Um, And they've been around since, what, like 1970s? Yeah, the late 70s, I want to say, was when uh, uh, Young kind of brought them here um we also have later in the week an update on the long-awaited monoxy boulevard uh it was supposed to open at the end of october and then it was supposed to be another week and it's still not open so hopefully we'll get an update and see if that's going to be open at any point ever uh it's been a long long road and it's taken way too long uh is it a long road itself no, actually, that's kind of the problem. It's a relatively short road, but uh, a lot of a lot of our readers have have been talking about this and dying for this road to open. It's been a long time, uh, and then we've also we've uh, got two stories uh, from our uh, new business reporter, Erica Riley. Don't think she's been on yet. I'm sure you'll have her at some point. Uh, but if you read our Saturday paper, we had a photo essay 
about uh, medical marijuana. Uh, Erica has a story that she's working on for later in the week uh, about banks and lending. Uh, so banks can't lend to uh, medical marijuana facilities because it's still federally illegal. So they they risk kind of being uh, getting in trouble with, with the feds, um, which means a lot of these uh, businesses have to forward f- cash only. They have to get cash uh, to fund their businesses, and so that's required things like uh, uh, Greenleaf to have more than 115 investors. Um, so that's a that's a big challenge that this industry is overcoming, and that the banking industry is actually lobbying down at Capitol Hill for uh, medical marijuana to become federally legal, so that they can lend this money. Uh, and they have a lot of different reasons for that, which if you if you read the story uh, when it's published later this week, that'll um, that'll shed some of the light on some of those reasons. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And now, Katrina, uh, you had been away for a couple weeks. Yes. You so <coughs> <laughs> might not have noticed her because we figured that out on the <laughs> podcast, but want to tell people where you were. Yes. So I spent the first two weeks of November in the Philippines. And... Katrina is a very big person when it comes to food. So (laughs) what was the best thing that you had in the Philippines? So, oh my gosh, the best thing that I had. Wow. Um, Hmm. Well, I have to go with the lechon because that's such a Filipino standard. Um, And it was quite as good as everybody Mm -hmm. says it is. Um, For those who don't know what lechon is, it's essentially an entire roasted pig (laughs) um it's cooked over charcoal and for like hours i think um and it comes out the best way i know how to describe it is like think of a rotisserie chicken but instead of chicken it's pork so it's like really juicy really flavorful and the skin is like a really really crispy like almost like a potato chip all right so if you can't tell we're kind of doing this international food blog of today <laughs> instead of doing a food review of a yes. um restaurant here in frederick so with this roasted pig mm-hmm. since there are multiple cuts of pig does it taste different as you're eating it does it like does what does bacon mm. taste like when it's been roasted right hmm that's a good question because <laughs> i i have to say i never got past like the belly portion <laughs> when when it's served it's cut in the center and it's a lot of meat. <laughs> like, I mean, we ha- once went to a party where it was probably about 30 people. And we, by the end of the party, I mean, not even half the pig was gone. Like, y- you're cutting in and you're getting a lot of meat. So I would say that depending on where you serve from or where you cut it from, you might get a little bit more fat than meat. Um, but I would say everything's good, no mm-hmm. matter where you cut mm-hmm. it from. It all tasted good to me. So And so uh, I know that there are some pig roasts in different parts of the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and in Hawaii, I think it does it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So was there anything special to this that added a Filipino flair to it? I think it's just the seasoning, um, honestly. And, um, you know, it's traditionally served with rice and sort of like a soy sauce vinegar combination. Um, and depending on where you are in the Philippines, um, you know, you can have it with a variety of dishes. You know, there's noodles, there's like spinach, there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but you can also have it plain with just rice. Um, and 
I think that's what makes it unique is that it's so good on its own that it can literally just be served with rice and it would work. Perfect. All right. So that was one of your best things we've had. Now, what is something that you can truly only get in the Philippines? (laughs) Um, So something called balut, um, which is actually, I believe they serve it maybe in Thailand as well. But for these purposes, I... You're not getting it here. You're definitely (laughs) not getting it here. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, So balut is a pretty common street food in the Philippines. Um, And what it is, is a an egg a fertilized egg all right stay with us people (laughs) (laughs) a fertilized egg that is x amount of days old that has been boiled um and so essentially what you're doing is you're eating the embryo of either the chicken the duck whatever the egg is um i happen to have a duck egg so mine was 16 days old all right again stay with us what did it taste like so I really did not think it was that bad. I thought it kind of tasted like a poached egg or a soft boiled egg. Um, yeah, I mean, the texture was really similar. Um, it kind of just tasted like you weren't eating an egg yolk. I mean, again, I did not, I tried not to think about it when I was eating it because I knew that if I did, I might not get it down. So I can see that. But again, you did eat a pig that had been roasted and True. had a whole body. So I guess, it's, I mean, it, there are some differences, but <laughs> if you kind of think about it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the balut is really interesting. And it's funny because a lot of Filipinos actually don't eat it because they find it gross. Um, but I was brave enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quite lucky. The, the lady that I got it from only had 16-day-old eggs. Um, a lot of people, from what I heard, actually eat 21-day-old eggs. So in those, the beak of the duck or the chicken has formed. There's some bones. So it's a little crunchier. Um, <laughs> now my, you might be losing me too. <laughs> yeah, mine was still a little soft. Um, you know, and, and the embryo was there, but, you know, it was kind of just like, not really formed yet semi-formed so and it's not raw you're boiling it yeah it's boiled so oh. it's it's cooked yeah i think when i saw because you had po- pictures of this when i saw it originally i thought maybe it was like not cooked which would have been a lot grosser <laughs> right no it's definitely cooked um and customary you you kind of break the top of the egg you peel it down sprinkle a little salt and douse it with a little vinegar and then kind of like take it back like a shot all right so it kind of it's a uh, hard boiled egg shooter with some extra things. There you go. It. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you think that people should know about that you know would make them tr- get on a plane, take the what sixteen hour trip to the Philippines? Yeah, over sixteen <laughs> hour. But yeah, um, from what I learned over my two weeks is that Filipinos love pork. Um, from the lechon to their chorizo sausages to their lumpia, which are like fried spring rolls with minced pork inside. Pork literally reigns in the Philippines. Um, so if you don't like pork, I would not recommend going <laughs> to the Philippines because um, I ate pork every single day that I was there. Um, and everything's made, you know, in like a sharing, in, in, meant to share with multiple people, which I found really beautiful. So. All right. Well, just since we're here in the United States, and I know we would all love to go to the Philippines, especially now as it's getting colder, 
But anything that you learned at the, in the Philippines that you think you can bring back to your cooking here that maybe listeners can change mm. up with their own cooking? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I would say that expand your knowledge of how pork can be cooked because from what I learned in the Philippines, and I know I'm going on about pork, but really that is the king over there. Um, it's not just pork chops and pork belly. Um, every cut of the pig can be used and it can be cooked in multiple ways. I mean, I went to somebody's house for lunch one day when I was there and it was rice and six different dishes of pork, all completely different in flavor, completely different cuts. So what I would say is I'm definitely going to look into, okay, where can I go to a butcher and what kind of cuts of pork can I get and how can I make those into something delicious? And that's what I would recommend. All right, perfect. So for those who, like me, have grown up maybe thinking pork's a little bland or a little dry, you're doing it wrong. It's time to visit the Philippines and bring it back <laughs> a little bit here. <laughs> Definitely. All right, perfect. Well, as always, you can read Katrina's food reviews in 72 hours. Katrina, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Project Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangelio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week. 